0: Can we add anything to Hashem's infinite bruchas? This is, in a sense, a follow-on from the previous sikhah that we learned. It's based on the same pasuk. On the pasuk that says, When Moshe tells the Eden that Hashem, the God of your fathers, will add to your brochus and add to your quantity a thousand times over, and He will bless you as He has said. So the medrash So the medrash says, the Yiddin said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lo yinoshan kitzvah de Beruch Haseinu. Hashem did not put any limits on the bruchas that he gave us. Ve'ata, emar ta'elef p'yomim, and you say, only a thousand times growth. HaMelochem, to which Moshe replies, Ma'sheh Berachti aschem, isheh li'b'rachti. What I blessed you, that's my bruchah. Kshiova HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when the Ebesheh comes, in other words, in the future, in the time of Moshiach, probably. Yivorach Hasechem kashet iber then Hashem will bless you, as He said He had blessed you, which is she'in lo kitzvah, a bracha a bracha without any limits as well. So many of the commentaries ask a very obvious question, which is, seeing as Debish already blessed us with an unlimited blessing. What is Moshe possibly adding to infinity by saying, Yosef, that Debesh is going to bless you a thousandfold. Surely, That broch is already included, and completely overwhelmed and insignificant compared to Hashem's infinite brachas. If we say, according to the Gemara, that when you have 200 Zuz, 200 coins, it automatically includes 100, well then certainly infinity automatically includes 1,000 times. So what's Moshe adding to Hashem's infinite bracha? So there are certain suggestions by the meforshim. The commentaries try to explain that possibly the advantage of Moshe's bracha is that the Mefor infinite brachas only apply or only available to the Jewish people when we're doing Torah Mitzvahs. What Moshe adds is a bracha that has no prerequisites. And that that would also make sense, that would fit very well with the gemara's commentary on a pasuk from Sefer Hoshea, which seems to be self-contradictory, because it starts off by saying that the number of the Jewish people will be X, and then it says which can't be measured and can't be counted. So that's a contradiction. Is it a number or can it not be counted? Says the Gemara, Kaan, when do we say that the Yidin won't be counted or measured? When the Yidin do what the wants. Kaan, when is there a number? When we don't fulfill Hashem's will. Ha'ino, in other words, the Gemara is implying that the concept of a finite brocha is always available even when we're not exactly doing everything that the wants. Baruch Whereas the Ebershah's bracha Shibli kitzva Lo Which is completely infinite That Shayach HaShach Bizman Shibli Kitzvah Lo Yusufher Is only available When we're fulfilling Hashem's will So maybe that's the answer Or there's another perspective B'Rachas Moshe Hii Bizman HaZeh Moshe is blessing us With a finite bracha For now Or Baruch And the infinite brachas Will become available In the future When Mashiach comes that actually work well with the language of the Medrash, which says, In our world, the bruchas have limits. But in the future, in other words, in the time of Moshiach, The Jews will exponentially grow and explode like the sand of the sea that cannot be counted. Okay, so that's what it sounds like. Maybe those are the answers. Moshe versus Hashem is whether we deserve it or not, or either now or later. But when you really look at the Medjush Rabbah commenting on our, on our Pasha, Mashma, the way that the Medjush implies it, indicates the difference between the Brocha that Moshe gives and the Brocha that Hashem gives is only one thing. That the one Brocha is Moshe's Brocha, and the other is the Ebishtil's Brocha. But the implication is that they both happen. Simultaneously. In other words, that implies that even at the same time that Hashem's infinite bracha affects and impacts us, still, even while we have the infinite bracha, there is still room and value for Moshe's finite bracha, and we really have to understand why, because that doesn't seem to make sense. That's according to the Medrash mi'zoi. this is even more the case. When you look at Rashi's commentary on the Pasuk, it seems that Rashi is definitely saying that the two kinds of Brokha happen simultaneously. Because Rashi quotes the words of the medrash without giving any further explanation about how we reconcile the apparent contradiction between a finite brocha from Osh and an infinite brocha from Hashem. Which implies that, according to the simplest understanding of the Pasuk, that's what it means, that the two bruchas occur simultaneously. That actually does seem to fit with the simple understanding of that Pasuk in Hosea. There's a number of the Jewish people, and in the same Pasuk, which can't be measured or counted. When you read that pasuk at face value, you don't imagine that it's talking about two different periods. And the pasuk is indicating that there's a concept of the number, a finite number of Jews. And that occurs at the same time as the bracha being beyond number. So we've got to understand First of all, what value could there be to a finite bracha when you already have an infinite brocha? And why would they both occur simultaneously as if each one has a role to play that the other almost doesn't fulfill? So, similarly, when we're now comparing Moshe to Hashem's brachas, let's look at Hashem's brocha itself. We're arguing that according to the Medrash and certainly according to Rashi, Moshe's Brocha is not completely uh, neutralized because of Hashem's infinite Brocha. On Omoitzim Gam, we'll find that in the wording of this Brocha, Gam, Reberchas Hashem, Goimer, Yosef, Aleichem, Gofer, Goimer. This same pasuk that says, May Hashem add to you as He has said, also implies two different kinds of Brochas simultaneously. Kifishon, Isparashem, and Medrash. As the Major says, listen to what the Major says. The Major says, why does it use the word Yosef to add? Why is this specific? Should it should have just said Hashem will bless you. Why does it say he will add? It says the Major. Because when the adds a brocha, the addition is far greater than the principal original bracha. And then it brings various illustrations of how this exactly works. Now that seems completely irrational. movement doesn't seem to make any sense. Let's follow this through. If the additional bracha is greater than the original bracha, and why does the Torah, which is absolutely true, call the original bracha the primary brocha? If it's the smaller, when you consider that the original bracha is less than the additional bracha, surely that make it, make, makes it a secondary brocha. logically. If that's the 90% bracha, this is the 10%, brocha whatever the particular thing is, surely the one that is the bigger brocha must be the main bracha. So actually that passage then proves to us that even though it's 100% true that what Hashem adds to the bracha is greater than what He uh, delivered in the original bracha, ain pirsha davashu yina keinam is battle that does not cancel the original brocha or diminish the original original brocha and rabbis to the country who nikra iker the tixvas shel hakados baruchu even though there's more to come the original brocha is still called the primary brocha and we need to understand why that is or how that is how is the finite the iker and the infinite secondary doesn't seem to make sense so you haven't have talked to severe by maiman hashal hanahal so let's go back to what the Gemara said about that Pasek in Hosea and examine it in greater detail because it would help us to understand what's going on over here. The Gemara told us, kan when the Pasek says, Lo yi, modva, lo yi that it's impossible to measure or count the Jewish people, that is, Bezman shi sholoi sinretzanya as long as the Jews are fulfilling Hashem's will. Kan mispor. but when there's a finite number of Jews, of brochas, that's when the Jews are not fulfilling Hashem's will. Let's understand this principle better. Is it not fair to say as an axiom that when do we get brochas When we're doing what Hashem wants. So how do you suggest that there's a brucha that comes when you're not doing what Hashem wants? Isn't the whole thing of brochas that they come when you're doing what Hashem wants? It's a result of doing what Hashem wants. So therefore we have to conclude. That when there is a finite bracha in this Pasak, it is that the Jews will have a certain number, which is quite similar to Moshe's bracha, which has a finite amount associated with it. Even though it's a mega amount, it's still finite a thousand times. That has to be so it has to be a result of some kind of avoydah that we did that earned us that bracha the only thing is it must be an avoider we are doing what Hashem wants just not as perfectly as we should so we're fulfilling we're checking the boxes and we're not yet doing what Hashem wants we're discharging our responsibility rather than doing what Hashem wants from us here's an example let's look at remember the famous story of Cain and Hebel Cain brought an offering to Hashem. Is that avoided? Yes, it is. Not only did he bring an akorban, a, a no, he was actually the first person to initiate. He came up with the idea of bringing an offering to Hashem. And only after that, Hebel said, Oh, you know, a good idea. I'm also, secondary, right? Going to do what you've done. So what did Cain miss? Elushahibi min gorua what he presented in his offering to Hashem was the cheap product that he had available. So in the same way as, Kain served Hashem, but not nearly as well as he should have. So in a similar vein, although we're talking at a far higher level than what Kain did, so Kamuran, as you can understand, time that a person serves Hashem, but with limits, Seeing as the person keeps their avoidance Hashem very finite, very by the book, doing exactly what is expected of me and no more. Such Hashem gets you, gets you rewards, whatever you want, but it doesn't bring down Hashem's rotten, which is fundamentally beyond uh, limitations. So you can't bring Hashem's infinite rotson into the world with an avoida that is finite, measured, calculated. Now there's another way that we could look at these two perspectives, doing what Hashem wants by the book and doing what Hashem wants beyond. These two concepts, misbar, the finite type of avoida or brocha, and the infinite, absolute, uh, uh, superlative avoida and brocha, but Ali can even define that at an even higher level. When a person serves Hashem in the best way possible, it's still mispor, it could still be finite, because that would be a description of somebody who is fulfilling all the mitzvahs in the best way possible. Mitzvahs are presented in a finite way that is the design of mitzvahs. They're intended to have finite parameters. 613 mitzvahs. You can't add to those mitzvahs or subtract from those mitzvahs. And the truth is every mitzvah has its parameters. When you do it, who has to do it, how you do it. So that's the avoider of mitzvahs. But the concept of not measuring and not counting, that says that refers to how we serve Hashem through doing chubba because chuva because is something which is completely beyond the system, it's completely beyond the spiritual hierarchies, it's completely beyond anything that could be measured. So, it's possible that you could have an imperfect Avoida versus a perfect Avoida, or even a perfect Avoida within the realm of existing Torah mitzvahs versus Chuvah, which is completely out of the ballpark. Now that we understand that there are these two possibilities of how we serve Hashem, and bearing in mind that any bruch that we get will be dependent on how we serve Hashem, let's go back to the psukim about the so- so-called finite or infinite brochas. We already said. A The simple understanding of the Apostolic in Hosea, that the number of the Jewish people will be beyond number. Who? The simple understanding is, That it's not two separate concepts applying at two different times. Rather, it means that there's a number that is so big that it's like you can't count it. For example, grains of sand. They have a number, but the number is so big you can't count the number. We say, using that same principle, let's now apply it to the two possible ways that we could serve Hashem. The finite way of serving Hashem and the superlative way of serving Hashem. Even when we're serving Hashem in the finite way. Torah and which have their specific, specific times, dates, ways that you fulfill them, requirements, who it belongs to, etc. That has embedded within it an infinite nature, a loyis safer element. Meaning, even though mitzvahs have a specific number, time, and set of parameters. Every mitzvah that we do, stimulates doing Hashem's ratzon, which means, that every mitzvah that we do, even though it's within a very specific set of rules, brings into the world, Hashem's rotzim, which is completely beyond any rules, beyond any parameters. Just to understand, what's the difference between these two types of avodah? When we do a mitzvah, a person puts on tefillin, does that person bring godliness into the world? Yes. Do they see it? No. Because tefillin are specific, boxes that are specific size with specific materials placed in your arm in a specific way so it all lives in the world of the finite parameters so you don't see the infinite whereas when a person does when you watch the person doing doing you can see clearly that they're serving Hashem in a way that has no restrictions no limits there you can see clearly the infinite nature of the mitzvah, the infinite nature of our service of Hashem, the ratzin, the supernal wisdom, uh, uh, will of Hashem being exposed and experienced through that particular, uh, through that particular avodah. Just to explain that a little bit better. Inside every mitzvah, what is the definition of a mitzvah? This is what the Ibishta wants. And just like Hashem obviously is completely beyond any definition, parameters, or limitations, So anything that Hashem wills has no parameters, limitations, or boundaries. Every time we do a mitzvah, which is Hashem's will, that brings down into our reality, It brings into our reality... Hashem, a taste of Hashem's will, that has no limits. Ah, now, that's not our experience, right? We experience the mitzvah that you only do at this time, in this particular day, in this particular way. The fact that mitzvahs have their limits. That's not like there's some absolute, external set of limits that are placed on Hashem's mitzvah. It is a so-called self-imposed set of restrictions that Avish applies to himself. That Avish chose that the only way to be able to access this tremendous, infinite energy through this mitzvah performed in this way by these people at that time. And the amazing thing is not only has the Ebishter defined how it should look, what it should be. What the Ebishter did is created the possibility to contain, to grab, to hold that tremendous energy. Okay, so let's understand this in the language of Hasidus. So, the fact that filling are black cubes that you make out of leather and you wrap around your left arm only on weekdays and only in the mornings and only for a certain amount of time, is not because time or space or color or material limits Hashem. Like for us, for example, if we were to do something, you want to cook a meal, these are the ingredients you could use. You can't mix those ingredients, it doesn't make sense. Debit doesn't have those problems. Is that the chose to present himself in this particular finite way to us? Chassidus right? calls us self imposed limitations. Any self imposed limitation is not a true limitation. If I choose, I'm going to speak in a way that is palatable to the audience that I'd like to speak to. That doesn't limit me. It just makes me appropriate. On the other hand, There's a very important need for this kind of set of parameters, limitations, time, space, reality. Because where is the mitzvah going to play out in the world? What is the world? A place of finite borders. And it's incapable of tolerating an infinite experience. If the Ebeshter would share infinite self with us, would disappear. And seeing as the design of Judaism is, that Torah Mitzvah has to play out in the physical realities of the world, so therefore the only way to do that is to create parameters that will contain Torah Mitzvah so that they're accessible, so they can be performed in this world by people like you and I. V'zehu, that's actually the meaning of the Goimer. There will be a number, there will be a finite reality, which is beyond counting and beyond measure. In other words, what's the Pasik telling us? The fact that mitzvahs have numbers, times, limits, sizes, dimensions is not a true set of limitations. Because actually, all of those mitzvahs are just conduits for infinite divine radiation. There's only one question, and it's a big question. It's not a question on the parasha; it's a question on the whole philosophy of Yiddishkeit. Considering that the goal of all mitzvahs is what? The objective of mitzvahs is to bring infinite divine light down. So why did they design it in this way? If the whole point is to bring and reveal infinite divine energy, why did they create the stage on this world which is a place that can't tolerate that infinite divine energy? It sounds unfair. Do this in a world that can't handle it. And that's why you have to now have all the limits and times and measures, etc., etc., in order to create a way that mitzvahs can actually perform in this world. Why? Why did he do it that way? There's a very deep and important explanation. Why did they give us mitzvahs to perform in the lowest physical reality and with all the restrictions of that reality? It's not because the, the unfortunately we have to be able to package this godliness for this world. And unfortunately, the world happens to be limited, so the only way to package it is in a limited fashion. Because she has a wool because we are not capable of receiving, accepting, absorbing infinite divine light unless it's first packaged in bite-sized pieces called mitzvahs. That's not why. It's not because unfortunately, you know, we're, the environment can't tolerate the godliness. That's not why they should designed it this way. Why did he design it this way? Because the ultimate, ultimate state is... The ultimate is not to have infinite, that which is beyond measure, that which is beyond number, that which is beyond definition, and stop there. The ultimate is to be able to synthesize the infinite and the finite. That the world of finite realities should be elevated to experience and be one with the infinite reality. And it's only when you synthesize what seems to be absolutely impossible to synthesize, infinite and finite, that's when you touch and experience and express the essence, which is completely beyond any rules. The rules are finite and the rules of infinite. Therefore, the only way that this could ever be affected is by the Abishjah having the so-called self-imposed set of parameters. If we were to interact with any experience of divine revelation, from the highest all the way to the most accessible, from that reality, in all the spiritual realities, finite and infinite, are separate and possibly even contradictory. But specifically, when you get to the reality of Abishta's essence, beyond finite and infinite, then Eivishter is capable of bringing the two together. And that's very simple, similar to the concept that we have, of course, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the holiest part of the Beis HaMikdash, where the Oroin both occupied and didn't occupy space simultaneously. The Torah insists that the Oroin has to be measurable. Two and a half hours long, one and a half hours wide, one and a half hours high. And yet, at the same time, it doesn't occupy any space. It doesn't follow any of the rules of, of dimensions. That's the goal. The fusing of finite and infinite. And now you can understand why it is that even when Nebuchadnezzar is giving an infinite bracha to the Jewish people, Moshe's bracha, which seems quite finite, only a thousand times, is still relevant and still valuable. Because the goal is not to blast away all the finite elements of this world. So Moshe gives a finite bracha. The the goal is not to overwhelm that with Hashem's infinite bracha. The goal is to synthesize Debeshta's infinite bracha with Moshe's finite bracha. Therefore, Moshe's bracha of a thousand-fold increase remains viable and valuable. What does Moshe's bracha achieve? It attacks the finite world and stretches it stretches it to the nth degree of what the finite world could become. A thousand times is almost like the maximum increase that the finite world could imagine. But later what's going to happen, in the time of Mashiach when the Elisha is going to reveal His infinite bracha, that will bring Hashem's infinite bracha into the finite reality. That the world will not only be stretched to the limits of what the world can handle, even in its most crazy imagination, but within the world, you'll have something which is truly infinite. This will also give us a very interesting insight into something the Rebbe said. Kerber said. Rabbi said frequently how Aviv Chakad Mor, Marashab said, that the Rebbe Ashab would always moiseh Medrash, add a word to the wording of the very famous Medrash, Medrash it's Pashas Nosei, which says in Yisav Baruch Hu Li Yisloi that the desired to have a home in the lowest possible dimension. So the Rebbe HaShav would add, Yisborech, Li Yisloi Yisborech Direba So the Fridic Rebbe says, Why did the Rebbe HaShav stick in the word Yisborech, which is not there in the Medish? Medrash? It really needs to be explained. Yes, of course, when you mention the Abish's name, it should be with an accolade. But you don't typically find that when the Rebbein would quote Midrashim or Gemurras that happened to refer to Hashem, that they would add an accolade like blessed be here, etc. So why here? It must be That there's a specific, unique connection between what the word Yisborech represents with regards to Hashem with the principle of the fact that David should have desired this dwelling place in the lowest realm. What's the connection? The idea of a home for Hashem in our world is something that requires two completely opposite realities when you speak about a home that represents that this is going to be the abish's essence revealed without any inhibitions which is exactly like our homes in your home you could be yourself. There's no, you don't have to conform to anybody else's expectations, no inhibitions. So dira means absolute essence of Hashem on the one hand, one extreme. Yet when you describe tachtun in the lowest realms, that's our physical world, you don't get lower or more finite than this. This is the ultimate finite reality. And to have Hashem's home in this world is the synthesis of the ultimate infinite with the ultimate finite, which is the goal of Judaism. How do you do that? How is it possible to imagine that our tiny, finite, claustrophobic world should become the accommodation of Hashem's infinite essence? Without the world being blown to smithereens, one word will explain that what the Rebbe Hashem added, that word Yisborech. That apparent contradiction between this world being Hashem's home for Hashem's essence. You can understand by knowing that it's Hashem Yisbarech, which is the meaning of the word Brocha. So if we analyze what a Brocha is, we can understand how this all works. What's a Brocha? who we know very well from other places in Hasidus, that the big difference between prayer and brocha is that brocha means that the energy already exists and now there's somebody who's powerful enough to reach into the root of that energy and bring it down into our reality. That's called a brocha. It already exists. can't give a brocha that isn't already there whereas davening has the capacity to stimulate a new energy that was never there before. Yehi ratsoin, as we say in our davening, let it now become your will, implying it wasn't originally your will, it wasn't the original plan. In chodosh, something brand new, which does not exist even at the highest spiritual realms. Big difference. So brochas are guaranteed because the package is already there, it just needs to be delivered. Davening is... So to speak, high risk, because you don't know if you'll get it. But if you get it, you'll get something that was never there before. That's in the human experience. That's if it's a bracha given by a human being. The bracha, a human, no matter how great they are, whatever it is, can only give a bracha from what already exists. When it's Hashem's bracha seeing as the Ebishtah is certainly not restricted the Ebishtah is certainly not limited by the reservoirs or sources of brocha that the recipient may be lined up to get the Ebishtah's brochas have both values the brocha guarantee and the tfila innovation he ischoylo lifoilinyen chadosh Hashem's bracha can stimulate, can generate something brand new, which is beyond, not just the recipient, but the source of all energy for that recipient. In other words, When we discuss a divine bracha, we have two extremes playing together. On the one hand, the bracha reaches higher than the root source, of the created reality, beyond the entire spiritual hierarchy of everything that exists in created realities. On the one hand, the highest high, and yet it can deliver that highest high to the lowest low. Bracha means to draw something down, to bring it down into the lower world. To bring something that is fundamentally beyond the scope of creation into the reality of a specific element of creation. The complete paradox. The highest high which should be beyond our reach into our lap. Now you understand why the Rebbe Hashab adds to the Medrash that who wanted to have the Rebbe Tachtonim? He, Yisborech. The fact that it is possible for our lowly world to be transformed into this home for His essence is only something we can understand when we appreciate the nature of Hashem's brocha, which causes Hashem to be not just God, but the Yisborech who brings it down into our reality. In other words, to draw something which is completely beyond the system into the lowest part of the system. Now that's still not absolutely clear. Okay, so now we've got it clearly, right? The only way you can ever synthesize the ultimate infinite with the ultimate finite is if the eight is doing it. So why is that something that we have to stimulate? We've got to do our and then we'll get that bracha. How? What do we got to do with it? Surely any avoid that we do will certainly have its limitations because we're finite beings. Surely all that we will ever be able to access is finite energy and finite light. We can't get to that place of, Dear Eloy of this absolute essence of Hashem, which is beyond the scope of everything? So, the answer to that, as Chasidis explains extensively, is baruch, who we know very well that what the Ebishta wanted is Shagiloyim Mailo, that whatever is revealed from on high, should never be the so called bread of shame, freebies, handouts. David wants us to earn our keep because then we feel dignified and we feel part of it and we absorb and own the experience in a meaningful way. Therefore, whatever is drawn down from the higher realms, even if it's coming from a realm that is completely beyond the scope of the stretch of a created reality, still they'll still link back to our efforts. In simple language. The reality is, how will our world transform into Hashem's abode? That's going to be the Abish's gift to us because we cannot do it. We cannot synthesize infinite and finite. It's not possible for us. Yet, as the Gemara tells us, the Gemara tells us that the nature of a person is when you give somebody a gift, when they've done something that makes you feel, I, I want to give them something. We've given some nachas in a sense to he who will provide the gift. And then they gives the gift. In practical terms, that means the first step is we, as beings of Hashem's created reality, have to serve Hashem to the best of our ability when we reach the ceiling of our abilities of our commitment of our efforts then they can switch on his gifts from on high incidentally this also explains the concept of when the Kohanim get up they bless us as Hashem's proxy in other words they give they're the conduit for a that is completely beyond the world now, let's think about this logically. Delechayra, Can cherotzen akadosh baruch hu luvaruch espnei wants to bless us. salamat lamatzor chadavu lavo'yali dey hakoyanim. Why does it have to come via the koyanim? Shivor vuruch emes pnei yisro that they should be the proxy to bless us. But akadosh baruch hu yocheluvaruchem veatzma yishulid. The could just bless us and that's it but that takes us right back to this principle we've just learned. That even the greatest, most powerful, most infinite brochas that are completely beyond the structures of our reality, they have to be accessed. How? Through human endeavor and human input. That leaves us with a message. Even though they just brought in a sense, so to speak, in our hands. You take that bracha that Moshe gave. And that bracha of Moshe says, let's take you to the thousandth degree, which is basically take you to the optimum of what you could achieve it's that effort our effort our growth our avoider our hitting our goals that actually so to speak complements and completes infinite that it won't be a freebie handout and that helps us to understand what we said. It doesn't seem to make sense. If, if what the adds is more than what he gave in the principle, surely that should be the main, that should be the principle. Now we understand it. How do we bring, how do we generate the infinite brocha in our reality? Through our avoider. That's what we're actually, our input, and the bracha generated by our input is actually called, The mainstay of what life is all about, because it is only as a result of our avoida that that great infinite bracha from Hashem is going to flow. So, this is also one of the amazing insights that Rashi alludes to. The Rashi does quote partially from the Sifri and the Medrash about how the Jews said to Moshe, "Why are you limiting our brachas?" And then you get Rashi's pshat. Rashi's pshat is that at the end of the day, the 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 Yidden said to Moshe, "Like you're limiting our brachas," and he says, "Don't worry, that's Mishali, and there's more coming from the there's one big difference between the wording that Rashi uses compared to the Medrash and the Sifri. He says, what does it mean when Hashem says the Brocha that He had promised? Unlike the Medrash that says that it's the, the promise that you'll be like the sand or like the stars, etc. Rashi says it's the bracha that just as it is impossible to count, so you will be impossible to count. What's Rashi alluding to? Rashi is alluding to the concept of Mimono, that which can't be limit, uh, uh, limited, countered, defined, etc. Deim when is that going to be, Rashi? Rashi says, That is, in the future, when the Jews, so to speak, inherit the world, which is what? Inherit the world when we transform the world into the place that the Eibusha wants it, then we get that that bracha from Hashem, which is loim uh, loimad v'loimisafir. It's completely beyond anything that we could imagine, let alone achieve. And that will be the Asid Lava in the time of Mashiach, as a direct result of our efforts that we did our avoider to the max. And therefore, the Eibusha gives us brachas and gives us in which we could never imagine, and that should happen mitzvah Hashem sooner than any of us could imagine possible.